Section 14 of The Theory and Practice of Brewing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Theory and Practice of Brewing by Michael Cumbrun. Section 14. Observations on Defective Malts. In the preceding inquiry, some of the defects of malt have been occasionally mentioned, but as a perfect knowledge of the grain, especially when it has undergone this process, is a matter of no small concern to the brewer, I shall now bring such defects into distinct view, both to compare them with the foregoing principles, and that the knowledge of them may be more at hand, on every occasion, when wanted. Every different degree of heat acting on bodies causes a different effect, and this varies also, as such heat is more or less hastily applied. The growth of vegetables is in general submitted to these laws, but yet I conceive there is some difference between germination and vegetation, which I beg leave to point out. The former seems to be the act caused by heat and moisture, while the plume or acrospire is still enveloped within the teguments of the parent corn and it is most perfectly performed by the gentlest action, and consequently by the least heat that is capable of moving the different principles in their due order. Vegetation, again, is that act which takes place when the plant issues forth, and, being rendered stronger by the impressions of the air, becomes capable of resisting its inclemencies or the warmth of the sunshine. Germination is the only act necessary for malting, the intention being solely to put in motion the principles of the grain, and not to rear up the embryo to a plant. Now, as this begins in barley, at the degree where the water first becomes fluid, or nearly so, the cold season, when the thermometer shews from about 32 to 40 degrees, would seem the most proper for its purpose. How far its latitude may with propriety be extended, experience alone can determine. Maltsters continue to work so long as they think the season permits, and leave off generally in May, when the heat of the water extends at a medium from 50 to 55 degrees. But the nearer they come to this medium, with the greater disadvantage must they malt, as, by such warmth, the vessels of the corn are much distended, the motion of the fluids violent, and the finer parts too apt to fly off. Thus, the coarser oils gaining admittance, the glandular parts become filled with an impure and less delicate sulfur, which, instead of a sweet, inclines to a bitter taste. This is so manifest and so universally experienced that, in general, brewers carefully avoid purchasing what is termed ladder-made malts. Malt, which has not had a sufficient time to shoot, so that its plume may have reached to the extent of the inward skin of the barley, remains overburthened with too large a quantity of earth and oils, which otherwise would have been expended in the acrospire and radical vessels. All those parts of the corn which have not been separated and put in motion by the act of germination will, when laid on the kiln to dry, harden and glutenize, no greater part thereof will be soluble in water than so far as the stem or spire of the barley rises to, or very little farther, and as much as is wanting thereof will be lost to the strength of the drink.
When malt is suffered to grow too much, or until the spire is shot through the skin of the barley, which is not often the case, though all that is left to be malt that is containing salts dissoluble in water, yet as too large a portion of oils has been expended out of the grain, such malts cannot be fit to brew drinks for long keeping. There is, besides, a real loss of the substance of the corn, occasioned by its being overgrown. Malt, the germination of which has been reached and been stopped at the proper period, and has been duly worked upon the floors, if not sufficiently dried on the kiln, even though the fire be excited to a proper heat, retains many watery parts. The corn, when laid together, will be apt to germinate afresh, perhaps to heat so as to take fire. Should not this extreme be the case, at least it must grow moldy and communicate an ill flavor to the drink. Malt, well grown and worked as before, but over-dried, though with a proper degree of heat, will become of so tenacious a nature as to require a long time before it can admit of the outward impressions of the air to relax or mellow it, that is, before it is fit to be brewed with all the advantages it otherwise would have, and in proportion as it has black specks on being masticated, so much of its parts being charred is a diminution to the strength of the liquor, besides impressing it with a burnt or nauseous taste. Malt dried on a kiln not sufficiently heated must require proportionably a longer time to receive the proper effect of the fire, the want of which will bring it into the same state as malt not thoroughly dried. If too quick or fierce a fire be employed instead of gently evaporating the watery parts of the corn, it torrifies the outward skin, divides it from the body of the grain, and so rarefies the enclosed air as to burst the vessels. Such is called blown malt, and by the internal expansion occupies a larger space than it ought. If the fire be continued, it causes its constituent parts to harden to the consistence of a varnish, or changes it into a brittle substance, from which the malt is said to be steely and glassy. It dissolves, but in a small proportion, is very troublesome and dangerous in brewing, and frequently occasions a total want of extraction. By the brewery, termed setting the grist. Malt, just or but lately taken from the kiln, remains warm for a considerable time. Until the heat becomes equally cool with the surrounding air, it cannot be said to be mellow or in a fit state to be brewed. Its parts being harsh and brittle, the whole of its substance cannot be resolved, and the proper heat of the water which should be applied to it for that purpose is therefore more difficult to be ascertained. The practice of those maltsters who sprinkle water on malt newly removed from the kiln to make it appear as having been made a long space of time, or as they say, to plump it, is a deceit which cannot too much be exposed. By this practice the circumstance of the heat and harshness of the malt is only externally and in appearance removed, and the purchaser grossly imposed on. The grain, by being moistened, occupies a greater volume, and, if not speedily used, soon grows moldy, heats, and is greatly damaged. The direct contrary is the case of malt which has been made a long time. The dampness of the air has relaxed it, and so much moisture has insinuated itself into the grain that some doubt must arise how much hotter the mass should, for this reason, be. Yet, supposing no distemper, such as being moldy, heated, or damaged by vermin, it is observed malt under this circumstance may more certainly be helped in brewing than those just above mentioned.
From what has been said, it appears how necessary it is to procure malt which has been properly steeped, germinated to its true pitch, and dried by a gentle, moderate heat so as the moisture of the corn be duly evaporated, then cured by just so much fire as to enable it to preserve itself a due time without being blown or burnt. How easy it is to regulate this process in the cistern, in the couch, on the floors, and on the kiln, when the maltster intends no artifice to save his excise, I need not say, but with what certainty and ease the whole might be carried on by the help of the thermometer, I leave such to determine as are modest enough to think that the art may be brought to more accurate rules than those of the bare report of our unassisted senses. As such rules may be easily deduced from the principles here laid down, I shall not be more particular in shewing their application, as not being my immediate purpose, nor my business as a brewer, nor have I leisure or the conveniency of a malt house to make experiments of this sort. Yet with truth it may be said that such as would not be disappointed with their brewing must take care not to be deceived in their malt. This, however, being but too frequently the case, we should constantly be on our guard against its defects and know how to correct them. If it is treated in the same manner as if it was perfect, the well-malted parts alone will be digested. If too slack dried, it may be corrected by an addition of heat. If over dried or injured by fire, it may be proportionably helped. By applying the thermometer to the extracts, more particularly to the first, the brewer thereby will be informed to a sufficient degree of exactness of the defects he can mend, and hardly be ever at a loss for the properest means to work the grain to the greatest advantage. As far as we have proceeded in our inquiry, though some satisfaction must arise from our being enabled to account for the greater part of the process of brewing, yet it may be observed, even with the assistance of the thermometer, as yet a geometrical exactness in many respects has not been attained. But nature, when the interest and necessities of mankind are the object, apparently has supplied our wants and rectified our defects. In this art, fermentation, when allowed to display itself, corrects all our errors to a considerable latitude, though as yet, of this act it may be said, we scarcely conceive its cause or properly discern its effects. End of section 14. Recording by Pete McKelvin.